and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and today we are talking about making disciples. How's it going, Mike? Going well today. I am so excited about this topic of discipleship because this is at the heart of what Jesus has instructed us to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And so discipleship, it's much more than people think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It involves evangelism. Right. It involves mentorship. It involves study of the Word. It involves helping people grow in Christ. Yeah, I think it's much more uh, in-depth than most people think probably, right? That's true. Yeah. And in fact, uh, here at Grace Church, for those of you who don't know, we have a mission statement that we actually have on our wall on the side of the worship center that says that we are a Christ-centered community intent on proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and sacrificially serving Jesus. And that, that middle one, or the third one, I guess, is to make disciples. That is the mission of Grace Church, is to make disciples. And the reason we believe that is because of what Mike just said, right? Matthew 28 says to go and make disciples. And here's the thing. I, I, I wanted to kind of dissect this a little bit because I think some people, at least that I've talked to, have kind of asked the question like, yeah, yeah, discipleship, but shouldn't we be about evangelism and bringing people into the kingdom? Yes, we should. This is part of it because making disciples encompasses evangelism as well. So discipleship is following Jesus quite simply at its root. When Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he was saying, be my disciple, learn from me. What did Jesus say? Uh, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am humble and gentle in heart. And so we are wanting to pour into people's lives Uh, the gospel truth, because we're saved by the gospel, we grow by the gospel, we serve by the gospel. It's all about the gospel. That's right. So I think this is going to be a fun discussion. It's so pivotal for us to understand what this means and then go out and live it. And so if I can kind of set us up for success here, Mike, you you just talked about what discipleship is. I'm going to just go by uh, a a few different categories, and you you talk about them as as they roll, right? That sounds great. So let's talk about evangelism. Is evangelism a part of discipleship? Is it a separate thing that's just, you know, part of sanctification, like— how, how do we relate to evangelism as disciples of Christ? I think if we're going to be really strict about it and kind of draw a line, so to speak, I would say that discipleship is someone who is already following Jesus. And so a lot of times, you know, historically we've said it's all about evangelism and discipleship, where you help people come to know Christ and then help them grow in Christ. And I think those delineations are biblical But then Jesus said, go and make disciples. So a disciple is someone who follows Christ and learns from Christ. The idea of discipleship is kind of another word maybe we've coined, which is having to do with maybe the process of Christian growth a lot of the time. Let's delineate this out and say, a disciple that followed Christ in the Gospels. What's the counterpart in the epistles for disciple? It would be the word saint. The saints, the holy ones, those are being made holy. So if you're in a relationship uh, to Jesus, if you're following Christ, if you're trusting in the finished work of Christ, so a Christian is someone who has trusted in Jesus Christ apart from anything they can do on their own. They're trusting the finished work of Christ on the cross. They're in a discipling relationship 
with Jesus. Jesus is actually growing them in the faith, right? What did Peter say in 2 Peter 3.18? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, so that is the discipleship part, and evangelism is kind of a, a Venn diagram cutting into discipleship. Is that You could what say that. You could okay. almost say it's pre-discipleship, again, because making disciples and that whole process, you could say going from start to finish, you could say that. You could say that's the whole process. On the other hand, Romans says those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Hmm. So that would be the counterpart of a disciple right? If someone doesn't want to be a disciple, they're not going to want to follow Christ, right? Yeah. And so the, we just have to be clear about what the Bible teaches, that the epistles don't really use the term disciple a lot. So you have all these other words, and you have words, again, like sanctification, like even glorification, but sanctification primarily, this whole idea of us being progressively made more and more like Christ, those who are following Christ are being made like Christ, by means of the Word of God and prayer as they're in fellowship with other believers in a local church. So disciple is a great word, and it means a learner. In context of Jesus, it means someone who is following Christ. So go and make disciples, go and make believers, go and make holy ones, go and make saints, go and make people who are being sanctified and are glorified, even according to Romans 8. The idea is that God chooses those that will belong to him, and so you've got in the New Testament believers being called the elect. We're called disciples, the elect, those chosen, saints, the beloved. saints, brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. brethren, things like that. And so this is the process of coming to know Christ and then growing in Christ. You said something interesting there too, which was, well, a lot of interesting things, not just one mm -hmm. thing, but uh, you said that uh, it is part of, you know, evangelism being that justification and then discipleship uh, being more like sanctification. And for a lot of people, they would see evangelism and discipleship as two different things. And I think there are some people who would devalue discipleship, but, and I've asked this question before, which is more important, justification or sanctification. The Bible basically says we have a great salvation, and all of these are different facets of the same salvation. Let's go back to Matthew 28 if we can, because most people are familiar with this, those who follow Christ, and this whole idea of dependent obedience on Christ, right? The 11 disciples go to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This is Matthew 28, verse 16, then verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came. So now he's going to affirm to them. He's going to confirm to them. He's actually going to assure them of the truth. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Praise God. This is the resurrected yeah. Christ speaking. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. What are they to do with these disciples? Baptize them. That's a believer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So we're talking about dependence and obedience, right? What's the mark of discipleship? Obedience to Jesus. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And then he gives this great assurance, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So while you do these things, I am with you. Here's Jesus, the risen Lord, God, the Son. Jesus is the authority here, so we need to obey him. So you're claiming that Matthew 28 is to all believers? Matthew 28 expresses what you do with those who become believers. Absolutely. Make disciples. And what do you do? Baptize them, teach them, and basically reassure them that Christ is with them. So if that's to all believers then, and I'm supposed to 
teach other believers. How am I supposed to do that as an ordinary churchgoer? I mean, you teach on a Sunday morning, right? We got other teachers who teach on Sunday morning, but I'm I'm supposed to teach? How? This is great timing because we've been in Romans, and Romans 15, 14 says this. Paul says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And what he's getting at there is he's not telling them, hey, you're perfect in all your doctrine and you believe everything perfectly. What he's saying is, I have taught you and I have reminded you of things you already know. And you are able, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you are able to help one another grow in Christ. And especially, he had just had this long discussion about matters of conscience and about things the Bible doesn't particularly prohibit or command. And he's saying, I am convinced that you, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, having the Word of God, you're going to be able to figure these things out with one another in a peaceful way. You're going to be able to help each other and instruct each other. And you go through the New Testament, and this is the pattern. Believers helping believers grow in Christ. So then, how does that—that that, that was excellent. How, how do I do that? We do that, first and foremost, by doing what we're called to do as believers first. You know, Galatians 6 says each one should bear their own load. That's your normal cargo. That's your responsibility in life. Then you bear one another's burdens. Interestingly, what's your normal cargo as a Christian? Obey Jesus in the power of the Spirit. You know, trust the Holy Spirit. Obey Jesus. Be dependent and obedient. So what you're saying is the first step is living life as a Christian. That is a teaching moment just by acting. That's right. Your first step is actually be a believer who's in relationship to Jesus and doing what Jesus says and obeying Jesus. And, you know, that's praying. That's confessing your sins. That's repenting of sin. That's doing good, doing the good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. So here we are justified. Uh, We are uh, saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, and we are to then walk, to live in the good works that God prepared. Titus 3.14, let our people learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs, and not be unfruitful. So first and foremost, follow Jesus yourself, and then help whoever you can. Those younger, those older, you benefit from one another. You have to be in close community, in a local church, in a small group of some sort where people know you and you're getting to know them. You're disclosing things about yourself. You're asking them good questions. You're praying for one another. That's the simplest avenue right there. Excellent. So you said that was the first step, though. When I said that, what I meant was the first step is you do what a Christian should do first and foremost. And then the second step is you go find other people to help. Great. Let's talk about that then. That okay. sounds more like a, a mentor-mentee type I like of that word. I love yeah. that word that you used. Yes. So how exactly am I supposed to do that? I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert Christian. I'm not an elder. I'm not a pastor. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just, again, I, I say it a lot, but I am an ordinary Christian. So what exactly am I supposed to do? I don't have all the answers, and yet you're telling me go mentor or I'd rather do the mentee part and be (laughs) mentored by someone. You know, it has been said that everyone needs a Paul in their life and a Timothy in their life, a Paul to teach them and a Timothy that they can teach. And, And I think it's always important for us to realize we're all ordinary Christians and that we are to benefit from fellow believers and help fellow believers. 
So there's always someone who's coming up the road that you're a little farther along. And there's always someone who's a little head, a little farther ahead of you in this journey of following Christ. So I think we're always going to get our answers from the Bible. And I'm going to take us to 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul said to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There is the idea of resting in Christ, abiding in Christ, things like that. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The idea is you remember what you've been taught, you take it to heart, you learn, like you learn how to pray from fellow believers. The Bible says, listen, uh, hear the word of God and do it. Well, you learn from people in the Bible that heard it and did it or heard it and didn't do it. And you learn from their good example or their bad example. And the same is true from fellow believers. You learn from people's good and bad examples as people are honest with one another and say, here's a mistake I made. And I would rather have you not make that mistake. Here's what I would encourage you to do as a result. So you take what you've learned, you pass it on to someone else. Hmm. It's interesting because for you listeners uh, behind the scenes, Mike and I were trying to figure out what exactly to talk about today. And we'll have some things coming up in uh, the next couple weeks we're going to be talking about. uh, Can we give some, can we right now give a little hors d'oeuvre, a little, uh, a little alley-oop, a little, a little hint at where we're going in future weeks. Alley-oop, you can tell basketball has started. Basketball again. season has started. Sure. Throw a long bomb. Let's throw a long bomb to the corner of the end zone. That's I better. Know. I like, there I like go. football better. Uh, <laughs> so when it comes to what we're talking about in the future, we wanted to take some time, some specific study time and kind of hash out some important issues on Ephesians 4 with the whole uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. So we're going to be talking about that. That's also known as APEST, that A-P-E-S-T. That's right. What does God intend from Ephesians 2, verse 20, and Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16? Yeah, so we'll be talking about that. That's going to be a, a much more technical episode, simply because of what we're dealing with. But we're not talking about, we were going to talk about it today, but we want to be sharp on this one. Right, and we're also going to talk coming up about The climate of outrage, really, and the climate of unkindness that has been perpetuated many times amongst Christians and especially in the evangelical community. And there's been some recent developments that we're going to wait till that simmers down a little bit and want to have a reasoned response and a reasoned discussion regarding how are we to treat one another when we disagree with one another. Kind of what we talked about last week, but really going forward because some things are blowing up amongst pretty notable Christians. And of course, that affects a lot of people in our churches. It affects people at Grace Church and and feelings come up. A lot of feelings are getting dredged up. And how do we, how do we navigate that in a godly way? Yeah. And for a lot of you, you know exactly what we're talking about, but we're actually going to do what we, we have said in the past. If you remember our Joshua Harris episode, we took some time. We waited until yes. everything had calmed down a little bit before looking at it. And we, we did that, and we explained in that episode. We want to be careful about these issues. We want to come from a reasoned perspective. And you know what? The guy who shouts out first is usually mm-hmm. the guy you ignore first. That's right. So. We want to be careful with one another and thoughtful as we address these really tough topics and realize that we don't have all the answers. We don't know the hearts of all people. God knows the hearts of all people. God has all the answers. We'll go to the Word of God, and we'll give our best shot at 
how we ought to navigate. Right. And it's going to be good. Yeah. I, I, I said all this actually as a parenthesis because That's what I right. was going to say was, uh, you know, we talked about what we were going to talk about and then we, mm-hmm. we quickly shifted and we're like, you know what, let's talk about something different. And I, I've said for a, a while, you, you said, I'm not the first one to come up with this for sure, but, uh, the mission of the church is discipleship. And this, I, I, I struggle with how exactly to live that out when, when going through my daily life. And so this was super helpful for, for me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Right. I want to say one more thing, too, about this, because I was thinking about Titus 2. Ooh, yeah. And Titus 2 is so important. And I want to point something out, because recently in the Men of the Word study that we do on Friday mornings here at Grace, we preached through Titus on our Friday mornings. And it's interesting that in chapter 2, when Paul says to Titus, as for you, he's making it very personal, teach what accords with sound doctrine, then he launches in to what many of us know pretty well, where what are older men supposed to do? What are younger men supposed to do? What are older women supposed to do? What are younger women supposed to do? So Paul launches in and addresses four groups and actually goes and addresses even more groups than that. But let's just talk about these four. Older men, older women, younger women, and younger men. And he goes through in that order and he says, here's what you're to be like, but also here's how you're to teach others and pass on the faith. So he says, older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love and steadfastness. Older women, reverent, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They're to teach what is good. And then they're to train the young women. And then the younger men are to be self-controlled. And basically, here is this idea of older men teaching younger men, older women teaching younger women. And this idea of being open to being taught, being open to being corrected even. Because there's a lot of correction that takes place in sweet, sweet fellowship and relationship with other believers. Yeah, for sure. And here's the thing for me, though. I I think for most people, it's easier to sometimes be corrected than to take on that role of— sometimes it's easy to want to correct somebody. But in that mentor-mentee relationship— uh, for me personally, I find it pretty difficult to be that mentor. It, it's way easier to just, you know, receive that advice than to give it sometimes. And me a few years down the road from you, Winston, let's say just 30, 30 years <laughs> over you. Uh, I would say at this point in my life, it's tougher for me to take correction, which means that I need to be more humble in taking correction from people because it's easier for me to give correction now. What would you say to that person who's kind of in that middle ground of, you know, I'm a little bit older than, say, the high schoolers, uh, but I'm not, you know, super old as, you know, mm-hmm. uh, somebody else, not you, somebody else. Uh, <laughs> what would you say to them as far as an encouragement to do this mentor thing? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm easy at being mentored. Yes. But I've got a good answer for yeah. this. Right. I've got a good answer for this because I'm, I'm convinced that more believers need to be engaged with other believers in their life, in their local church. It's this. If you're younger and you're a believer, there is someone that you can encourage. They might be older than you or younger than you. But for example, let's say you're in high school. Let's say you're in college. There's a junior higher or a high schooler that would really benefit from your encouragement. You're a step ahead like our college and high school groups do, right? At Grace Orange. Step ahead where someone in college comes back and gives some advice and wisdom to those in high school. And they're just a step ahead. They're not 10 years or 20 years down the road. They're just one or two or three or four years down the road. But I would say this. Here's what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5. 
He said, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Hmm. So a younger man has to go to an older man and encourage him as a father would be spoken to. Then he says, treat younger men like brothers. So Timothy, treat the younger men like brothers. Older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. And there's a model for how we should approach one another in the body of Christ. Now, this was spoken to a young man, but you can apply that to everyone in the body. Say, there's an appropriate way to approach people. It's always good to ask someone, hey, can I pray with you? Or will you pray with me about this? Or will you meet with me to help me to understand the Bible better? Or will you you help me to get to know the word? Or just talk about some things in my life that I really might be struggling with. But when believers rub shoulders with believers, and I do think it's a very good model for men to work with men and women to work with women, to, to think of it this way. How can I help them know the gospel and love Jesus more and serve the Lord with gladness, hmm. right? How can I bless them in some way? And then if everyone's thinking that way, that everyone in the church will be covered. You know what I'm saying? Like if everyone's thinking, who could I encourage? Who could I reach out to and help in some way? Or who could I ask for help? The older are looking towards the younger to help them. The younger are looking to the older to be helped. And everything in between. Because the older learn from the younger. It's all about our humble posture before God and one another. And along with that, if you're afraid to talk with somebody else who's younger than you and Sometimes that's a good thing. Fear and trepidation is sometimes a good thing, so that way you take it seriously, that you're not just going to give offhand advice, but you're going to go to the Bible because you don't want to screw that up. So That's right. We want to be humble and gentle like Jesus described himself, and we're being made more like Christ, so we ought to become progressively more humble and more gentle. Absolutely. And you know what? This was great. I really appreciate this, Mike. I'm excited for our future topics, but you know what? Even though this one was kind of, you know— Shooting from the hip. I liked it. I liked Me too. And hey, the Bible is always perfect. Amen. Yeah. If you guys have any questions, go ahead and email us at ordinarychurch at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. Maybe you want to talk a little bit more about discipleship or mentoring, mentee, whatever that would be. If you have any questions, please send it in. I actually have one more thing I want to say. These are so many PSs, so many add-ons here Let's hope that, uh, you know, this outro music that's playing right now can last long enough. I hope so. Go ahead. I mean... Listeners, I just want to thank you for tuning in and for listening uh, to the Ordinary Church Podcast. Thank you to Winston. He does an amazing job leading this and putting it all together. But I want to say one thing. If you have questions, we welcome your questions. Amen. And if you have questions for others in the church, don't be afraid to ask. Sometimes we've been too shy. I know I was this way when I was younger. I was always too shy to ask a question. But there might be someone who is afraid of being judged for their question. And we want Grace Church of Orange and really the Ordinary Church Podcast to be a place that you can ask anything. Because guess what? God can handle it. The Bible can handle questions. And we want to navigate these questions together. So I want to invite questions, not just for the podcast, but in your daily life with fellow Christians. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. And uh, we hope you join us next Thursday as we remain faithful, even in the ordinary.